electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. On a not-so-hot day for the averages, with the Dow lost 101 points, S&P declined 0.15%, the Nasdaq closed uh, flat, oh, and the price of oil plunged more than 7%, more on that later. I think it's worth playing devil's advocate. What if, what if, what if, you were here, what if, uh, if for some hated companies, you with me? The glass is half full, not half empty. In other words, what if the accursed, horrible, no good, we hate... Bang stocks, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Alphabet, the ones everyone now despises, the, the evil, the no-good portfolio destroyers. Dare I say, maybe some of them, if not all of them, are actually doing better than we think? And what if, I, I hesitate for you to say this, but what if, what if the other A, the stuff of the elongated Fang Apple, may actually be doing better than we think? Wouldn't this be a shocker? Wouldn't it be totally out of sync with the unbelievably bearish zeitgeist? All you hear about, all you read about, everything says these stocks are finished, they're dead, they're buried. Got me? Got me? Gotcha! All right, anyway. For years, these stocks, the Fab Five, let's call them, they led the averages higher. But now they've become an albatross around the market's neck. So what happens, heaven forbid, what happens if the albatross comes back to life? Let's dig in. First, listen, I am no fan of Facebook, the company. Every day it feels like there's a new story about how they compromised your data. They sold you down the river. They made you a tool of the Kremlin. Facebook has no shame. It's upsetting millions upon millions of people. But there are millions upon millions of other people who are more than willing to keep creating free stuff on their Instagram that are ideal vehicles for advertising. Originally, Instagram stories was kind of an afterthought, a way to, for them to crush Snapchat. Done. But it's burdened into Facebook's best business. Have you noticed that the stock is still hanging around where it was and reported that was actually a pretty darn good quarter? Meanwhile, 
The expectations, what are the expectations done? They have come down to levels where analysts actually expect a flat year for 2019. But the only way Facebook's going to have a flat year is if advertisers stop fleeing TV and print for the web. And that's simply not happening. Now, you don't have to like this company to realize that it remains the best way to reach young consumers. Let me put it this way. Facebook is one of the is one grown up, one grown up appointment away from having a stock that can go higher. Just one. They simply need to hire an outside adult at the C-suite level, a tough, no excuses, retired exec, maybe a government official, someone from justice. I don't care who won't tolerate any nonsense. And you know what will happen? The stock will soar. House of pleasure. Okay, how about Amazon? Amazon. <laughs> what a joke that is, right? And what a bunch of losers. <laughs> Two headquarters, three headquarters, idiots, morons. This one, this one's on the verge of having the biggest holiday season ever. <gasps> well, that's sleepy. Uh, I mean, everyone's talking about the, what is it, the Long Island City, a Crystal City. I, I'm more focused on the fact that the retail business is good and getting better. Now, I keep hearing about a slowdown in cloud adoption. But when I talk to cloud adopters, they're desperate to migrate away from old-fashioned on-premise software. They want to be on Amazon Web Services, which is the cheapest, it's the fastest, this is the best. In Amazon's advertising business, and nearly every retailer is trying to build up its online direct-to-consumer channel, Amazon's the best place for them to advertise. I don't know about this Netflix. I mean, has it lost its magic? This is one of those stocks that may not be getting as cheaper as it goes lower because, well, it's still up so much. You know, it's still up 53% for the year. And two, it didn't go higher after it reported a terrific quarter. Netflix was a great stock when the market was willing to value the business based on its rapid subscriber growth, but Wall Street no longer seems to be on board with that mode of analysis. Now they want earnings. Still, there's a lot of things that could go right here. What if Netflix raises prices? What if it creates different tiers? What if it makes a bunch of deals with high-profile filmmakers for exclusive content you'd be willing to pay even more for? I think the vast majority of people will pay up for this. Worldwide. Maybe management cares about the stock price. Don't be surprised if they don't pull some rabbit out of a hat yet again. Then there's Alphabet. Biggest problem here, forecasting. The company's chronically putting out super-stretched numbers and then delivering numbers that are merely fabulous. Is that such a terrible crime? Guilty. Things happen at Alphabet that are totally taken for granted. Today, the company's Waymo division announced that they're going to launch the first commercial driverless car service in the next couple of months. Wall Street's reaction? Crickets. Uh, crickets. Last Thursday. This Thursday, they hired Dr. David Feinberg. You probably never even heard of him. Well, I have. He ran Geisinger Health, perhaps the best healthcare system in the country. According to the press, Feinberg could have had the top job at the Amazon J.P. Morgan Berkshire Hathaway Health Initiative. He'll be organizing Al- Alphabet's myriad disparate healthcare initiatives into a single business. We on only because it's such a big company and nothing else seems to matter except the search division's gross margins. But once this stuff starts mattering again, you'll kick yourself for bailing out on a stock, which, by the way, sells at 22 times earnings. And does it matter to have $106 billion in cash? I guess that doesn't matter anymore either, right? Which brings me to, oh boy, shudder. I shudder. I mean, where's my knife? I mean, come on, let's cut this apple, right? I got a Bowie knife. That's, how, that's what you need. You can't just do anything with this. You need a Bowie knife. Here we go. Okay. It's like Billy and a predator. We're all going to die. <laughs> this brings me to Apple, perhaps the most maligned of the Fab Five. This morning I was asked on air, on air nonetheless, whether I'd put Apple in the original Fang. And the answer was no, because Fang was supposed to measure really expensive high flyers. Apple, despite its $921 billion valuation, was never a high flyer. It still isn't. It trades it at delicious 14.5 times next year's earnings. 
The stock has been getting shelled lately, down $41 from its highs, and it shows no sign of stabilizing. I can see how Apple here might feel like jumping in front of a speeding freight train. What do you think of the possibility that Apple knew all about the weaknesses in unit sales that are now so revelatory that we're now discovering every minute when it gives us, gave us guidance? Ooh, nine business days ago. Wow. I mean, how much must have been bad since then? Hey, I, what if the weakness flagged by an order shortfall momentum nonetheless? Well, that's really important. It's related to the cheaper offering, the iPhone XR. Not the big, expensive ones. While, uh, uh, while not great news, obviously, it wouldn't be nearly as bad as shortfall for its fancier, higher-margin phones. CFO Luca Maestri even alluded to the, the, that weakness when he told us the guidance accounts for, quote, uncertainty around the supply and demand balance, end quote, of recently launched products. Do you really believe Apple's supply chain fell apart in less than two weeks? Do you really believe that? On top of that, the bearish freight train has run over a lot of good news. Four days ago, Apple announced a historic deal to sell new iPhones and iPads on Amazon. If any other company on earth had struck a deal like that, the analysts would have been falling all over themselves to recommend the stock. But not Apple. Instead, big stake shareholders are still trying to fathom why the company stopped giving us iPhone metrics. They're shaken by Merrill Lynch's suggestion that multiple estimate cuts must be on the horizon. What else? We just found out that Apple was the top-selling mobile phone brand on Alibaba's platform during Singles Day, a huge shopping day in China. Didn't matter. Instead, we're focused on Goldman slashing their iPhone estimates in the wake of the momentum shortfall. We're actually worried about Chinese slowdown. Didn't we just get Chinese speed up? Don't even get me started on Apple's fabulous service revenue stream, a business that's being underestimated, at least according to Katie Huberty from Morgan Stanley, because of its burgeoning installed base. And by the way, Katie Huberty, no dope. Oh, and how about this? How about the fact that Apple's had a slowdown in iPhone sales before? In 2016, we got a string of lousy numbers with total iPhone unit sales actually declining by more than 8% versus the year before. And you know what? If you sold the stock into that weakness, the same kind of weakness we see right now every day, probably see it tomorrow. You know, it's just horrendous. If you sold it, how'd you do? You missed a double. Now, over the next few days, I think the analysts will outdo each other. They see it. They see it. They see that train. They went off. They went off that train. They went off those tracks. They're going to slash their iPhone estimates every day. And one after another. That's what today's decline on top of yesterday's Punisher was all about. When these number cuts are over, I expect Apple to come roaring back like it's done every time before. I still say own Apple, don't trade it, because it's too hard to time the bottom. In other words, if you sell it, you might not be able to get back in at a lower level. The bottom line, do not be so quick to write off Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Apple. The Fab Five may be out of favor right now. Maybe they are really out of favor. But there's a lot they could do to make a comeback. I know to bet against them right here after this decline, it seems like uh, maybe ill-advised. In fact, it might be right to actually start. Yes, I'm going to whisper. Okay, get closer. Buying them. Actually buying a little bit of them. Instead of throwing them away or shorting them like everyone else is doing. Frank in Michigan. Frank. Hey, Frank, uh, Jim, uh, like your assessment on P-E-T-Q. Why would you ever be in P-E-T-Q when you can be in Z-T-S, Zoetis, which is much better and really crushing? What? I got time for a lot of more apples to throw around. There, take that. Oh, hold it just a sec. I got one right here. Oh, yeah, here. Boom. And how about this one? No, this one we're going to blind it first with a little Frank's hot sauce. There. Oh. 
Sorry about that. Didn't mean to get you there. Did I get you, Les? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Ha! Where's that Bowie knife? Things aren't always what they seem. Okay? Apple's actually doing, uh, you know what? Not all that horribly. I say on Mad Money tonight, it might sound strange, but I'll tell you why weakness in the U.S. and China could be bullish for the stock market. Then, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's retail. I'll be the judge of when we go up the charts. And while this past month has been brutal for some technology stocks, there are a few companies that are simply too strong to ignore. I'm pointing out one play that could be worth considering when I sit down with the CEO of Zebra Technologies. My advice, stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What if the two forces of disruption are working? What if the Fed's rate hikes are doing their job and inflation's calming down? What if President Trump's tariffs are succeeding in putting the hurt on the Chinese economy? I think we may need to change the whole narrative here. Instead of focusing on the horrendous things that can happen if the Fed keeps tightening and President Trump slaps more tariffs on China, maybe we need to think about outcomes. What do I mean by outcomes? Okay, on the domestic front, higher interest rates are really starting to squelch demand for all sorts of real estate. We've seen steady deceleration in real estate and construction projects in a host of banks. American Electric Power, and by the way, the biggest utility in the country, talked about a downtick in activity. Listen to CEO Nick Akins on the show. For the first time, we, we see some tempering of the economy. We saw residential and commercial growth come down a little bit. Uh, we think it's really driven by a strong dollar, uh, certainly some of the tariffs are having an impact on non-oil and gas-related activities. We know that housing starts and housing sales are just abysmal. The house of pain. And while Home Depot assured us of stronger sales, it acknowledged that housing is slowing. Meanwhile, the price of oil, it is just cratering. My Ugh. God, it was a down set. You see what it was down today? I mean, I, 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 I said the thing would go to the 40s. I mean, I didn't think it was this fast. Uh, lumber's going down. Copper, basic building blocks and chemicals. Paper, sinking. Chemical, sinking. The action, to me, screams slowdown. Yes, we still have wage inflation. I know people are making a little more money. But how long will that last if all these important commodities are turning down? Look, it's okay for Jay Powell, our Fed chief, to say that he's raising rates in December, that he'll be eternally vigilant against inflation. But it's important to recognize that the most important inputs for, the, for inflation, for future inflation, are really going lower. 
not higher. It'd be crazy to ignore that. And while I think Powell's been mistaken in his approach, he's not crazy. The man is prudent. There's no reason for him to be rash, especially not with the deflationary impact of the strong dollar helping him. Yeah, it's time for him to say, wait a second, we're going to do hike and then be done for a little bit and see what happens. How about China? First of all, uh, these declining commodities, they could easily be laid at the feet of a weaker Chinese economy especially the plummeting price of oil. Last night, the Baltic Freight Index, a great problem of Chinese commerce, plummeted 5.42% to 1,064. That's way down from where it was just a month, a couple months ago. We're seeing disappointing sales of some of the semiconductor components, most often associated with China's telco market, including chips from Skyworks Solutions, today Corvo, Micron. And most important, I'm getting inklings that our companies that do a lot of business in China, they could be getting, they, they, they are putting the hurt on China itself. I know it, it, it's early on this coming. Caterpillar this morning saw some strong machinery orders out of China and stock rallied. But how long can China handle the decline in orders from many U.S. importers that are furiously trying to move business away from the People's Republic to avoid tariffs? Do you know that I understand, and I've checked this out with a number of different retailers, that the Chinese are actually giving these companies concessions, all sorts of price breaks to stay. But that'll be hard to sustain when President, tariffs, uh, President Trump's tariffs. I like that, President Tariff. Makes sense. President Trump's tariffs rise from 10 to 25 percent next year. Last Friday, Peter Navarro, uh, the president tariffs director of trade and industrial policy, probably the most influential voice in the White House. Well, he went off on Wall Street for its willingness to sell workers in America in the name of making bigger profits overseas. Navarro doesn't want to deal on Wall Street's terms. He started ranting about globalist billionaires secretly working on behalf of the Chinese. You got to listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. If Wall Street is involved and continues to insinuate itself into these negotiations, there will be a stench, a stench around any deal that's consummated because it will have the imprimatur of Goldman Sachs and Wall Street. Oh, stench. Anyway, the comments were so extreme that Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economic advisor, came on CBC today to chastise Navarro himself. Listen to what Larry said. He was not speaking for the president, nor was he speaking for the administration. His remarks were way off base. They were not authorized by anybody. I actually think he did the president a great disservice. Wow, that's important. It leaves room for serious negotiations with China leading up to the G20 meeting at the end of the month. So let's watch weakness in this country and in China. As crazy as it sounds, both are actually bullish for the stock market, although not for the companies or individuals involved. Because weakness means we're more likely to get a rational Fed and possibly some kind of trade deal. Much more mad money at After Home Depot's earnings say, does that company have more room to run? I don't know. I mean, the stock's been getting hit. I'm tackling the technicals to see if it's built on a strong foundation. Then, how is Zebra Technologies defined? the gravitational pull of the tech sector, I'm eyeing the company's ability to rally despite the unknowns in the market. And it could be the greatest turnaround story of our era. But with all the volatility in the market, you may have missed it. Don't worry, I'm revealing the name and stay with Kramer. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. 
See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreated in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Just go to Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After yesterday's horrific bruising, this market has reminded us once again, we can't afford to get too complacent. We're in a volatile environment, and it's going to stay volatile until the Fed changes rate on interest rates or the president decides to ease up on China or the Chinese compromise with us. At the moment, neither of them seems inclined to blink, so we need to do the best we can to navigate our way through the new normal. Now, normally, we'd fall back on the fundamentals, try to figure out who's doing well, Who's not? But the problem is, in this kind of environment, the fundamentals are often in flux. If the Fed tightens next month and then says it's going to pause before hitting us with any more rate hikes, a host of companies will get a reprieve. Their earnings next year may be turned out to be much higher than expected. On the other hand, if the Fed sticks to its guns, raising rates once next month and then three more times next year, that's going to put a real crimp in the earnings of anything that's cyclical, from the home builders to the automakers to the industrials. It's become a binary situation. Either the Fed blinks and does the right thing, or they stick to the current plan, burning down the economy in order to save it. And when everything hinges on a binary decision, you can't just blindly rely on the fundamentals, the facts about how a company's doing, because there's a lot of uncertainty about what the future might hold. So what do we do? In moments like these, you know what I like to do? I fall back on a variety of technical analyses, on a, straight, on a straightforward analysis of the action. The action in the stock. If the fundamentals are in flux, we might as well take our cue from the charts, right? Which helps approximate the psychology of the money managers whose buying and selling determines the actual trajectory of stock prices. So tonight we got real lucky. We're going off the charts with uh, the legendary Larry Williams. He's the technician who's been trading futures, commodities, and stocks for over half a century in order to shed some light on the issue. Williams is almost a mythical figure in this business. He's created a host of technical indicators over the years, many of which are named after him, like the Williams Percentage R Oscillator. Guy's written nearly a dozen books, and he's even got his own website, IReallyTrade.com. I think this man knows more than almost anyone I've ever talked to about charts. Now, what does Williams have to tell us that can really be some sort of totem here? As we head into the end of the year, the stock market typically uh, tends to rally around Thanksgiving. It's one of the reasons why I keep telling you, don't give up the ship yet. And perhaps even more so, it rallies into Christmas. More often than not, we get some good vibes over the holidays. But while that's a generalization, Williams prefers to trade based on specific things rather than glittering generalities. With that in mind, let me give you one of the chart master's favorite ideas, retail. 
When it comes to retail stocks, the period from shortly before Thanksgiving through Christmas tends to be the most wonderful time of the year. Makes sense. Everybody's anticipating huge sales for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the rest of the holiday season. William says there are several different ways you can play this. For example, I want you to think about this. Take the stock of Home Depot. It's the nation's largest big box home improvement retailer. This is a stock that's been beaten down like a redheaded stepchild. It's from uh, $215 in September all the way to 179 today. After, frankly, it reported what I actually thought was a good quarter this very morning, even as the stock was down and down hard most of the day before finishing off just 43 cents. William sees a very consistent trade with Home Depot. What is it? Okay, write this down. He recommends buying Home Depot on the 5th trading day before Thanksgiving, the fifth day, which happens to be this Thursday, and then holding it for the next 10 trading days for exiting the position. How's this done? Williams has back-tested this trade. If you did this using a stop-loss order $5 below where you bought Home Depot, how often would this strategy have made you money? All right, this man Williams ran the numbers. Get this. Over the past 33 years, his Home Depot trade would have been successful 33 times. Yep, it's worked every year since 1984. On average, if you bought Home Depot before Thanksgiving from one day before to 10 days before, what we've learned is that there's really a sweet spot that's right in the middle. Five days before giving you the best return. Thursday, people! How about we check out the weekly uh, thoughts about this? The black line is in the action in the stock, okay? This is just the pictorial of it. Williams loves to look for seasonal patterns, and that's what the red line shows you, okay? Uh, This is, uh, on average, the average seasonal pattern of Home Depot. Uh, As you can see, historically, the stock has rallied pretty hard over the next couple of weeks in November. You know, look, it's pretty obvious, right? Just think Thursday. I mean, no, of course, if everybody does it, everybody watches the show, everybody does it. Who knows? It could be like some sort of mirror effect, but 33 out of 33. Now, this is true for almost all retail stocks, frankly. You could say the same about Target, about Costco, about Amazon, host of others. Put it all together, and Williams thinks that Home Depot is ready to roar, which is pretty good since it sure didn't act like that today. Remember, though, it's just a trade. Home Depot stock has been a dog lately as investors have turned on everything related to housing, even as I think they're painting way too broad a brush. It's a retailer, people. In reality, Home Depot is more of a play on repair and remodeling, and they're doing fine. Just go ask Carol Tomei, the excellent CFO on the conference call. She just asked this. She addressed it. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Williams is recommending a trade. So if you buy the stock on his advice, you'll want to ring the register for a couple of weeks. And if the trade doesn't work, it doesn't matter. You should never turn a trade into an investment. If his thesis turns out to be wrong, you sell it. Put it behind you. But while we're on the subject of retailers and how they tend to rally going to the holidays, Williams has another way to play it. You could do the straightforward thing and buy the, the Spider S&P retail ETF called the XRT. If you bought the ETF anywhere from two to five trading days before Thanksgiving, and then sold 10 days later. You would have racked up a nice gain in every single year since the XRT was created 11 years ago. I'm going to repeat that. Every year, 11 years, this has worked. According to his research, Thursday would be the best day to pounce on this one, too. Technically, the best moment would have been sometime last week, actually. But since we don't have a time machine, Thursday's the best we can do. Again, Williams recommends using a $5 stop to protect yourself from potential downside. And don't forget, just a trade. So if it works, you need to ring the register. Move on. Bottom line, in a confusing and volatile market, all right, there are still trades that have worked year in and year out for decades. When, when Larry told me about this, I said, I have to bring it to you. The chart, as interpreted by the legend, legendary Larry Williams, suggests that Home Depot and XRT would make terrific trades if you buy them on Thursday and sell them 10 days later. I think he's got a point. Is this tends to be a good time of the year for retail, regardless of what else is going on in the market. All right, so maybe this will be the 34th time and it doesn't work. But 33 out of 33, 
I mean, don't you think? Kim in New Jersey, Kim. Hi, Jim. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank you for all you do for the home gamers. Oh, thank Your you. help is very much appreciated. Thank you. I'd like to give you a good, big booyah from New Jersey. And uh, my stock is uh, Tractor Supply. Uh, I'd like to know if that's going to be trading similar to Home Depot, if it's really in the same sector no, or not. No, it's not. And I've got to tell you, first of all, Kim, my tractor supply on Route 202 is just killer. Got a good veterinarian there, too. Uh, tractor supply, when the stock was in the 70s, I spoke to the CEO. He said, you know what, Jim? Nobody has any faith. I said, I have faith. I love going to your stores. This stock has been a rocket ship ever since. And I've got to tell you, I believed in it then. I said it then. And I believe in it now, even up here. Tractor supply is a play on people wanting to be outdoors, doing the right thing using your hands just like jefferson said let's go to robert in tennessee robert hey mr kramer uh my name is rob i'm an undergraduate student at vanderbilt and a first-time caller bandy uh, i'm call I'm, I'm calling about at home group ticker is home they're a growing big box specialty uh brick and mortar retailer right. offering home decor products um i can't believe i'm speaking to you <laughs> i'll continue uh hey, they I currently operate 100 <laughs> they currently operate 167 stores. They're increasing their store footprint at 20% a year, claim to have domestic white space for at least 600 stores, and they recently brought in a new CFO to help them scale. Amazingly, their stores take on average just six months to mature. Their gross margin is way over 30%, and 70% of their products are private label. Okay. Uh, it seems like It seems like – their top and bottom lines are moving exponentially. I bought in at 27. Should I double down? You know what, man? You have done, like are many of our viewers, this man has done a huge amount of work. I am never, Robert, going to opine on something that the caller knows more than I do on. What I can do, though, is do my homework and see if it matches what you're saying, because I happen to like that company very much. But you know what? I'm not going to cuff it. You've done more work than I have. And I congratulate you. And go Vandy. Great school. It's volatile and confusing out there, but there are still some trades that have worked historically. Remember, it's a seasonal pattern. It's history. Tends to be a good time for retail. And good time to buy Home Depot is Thursday. Much more mad money ahead, including my switch with Zebra. Oh, boy, what a stock that is. Could the company change the stripes in the tech sector? I'm going to sit down with the CEO. Man, it could be one of the greatest turnaround stories ever told, but no one's telling it except for me. And I think it's got more room to run. I'll reveal the play. And all your calls are rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. last six weeks, we know they've been horrific for most tech stocks. As investors turn on their biggest winners and sold them down hard, everything from FANG to the Cloud Kings. But you know what? There are a few exceptions. Tech stocks that got slammed in October and then came roaring back after reporting terrific numbers because the numbers still matter. Consider the case of Kramer Fave's Zebra Technologies. This company describes itself as an enterprise asset intelligence play. In plain English, Zebra helps businesses keep track of everything from their inventory to their trucks to where football players are on the field. And they use barcodes, mobile printing, data capture, real-time locating systems, and radio frequency identification to do it all. How has Zebra defied the gravitational pull of its sector? Simple. 
The company reported a magnificent quarter last week, delivering a 28-cent earnings beat off at $2.67 basis, higher than expected sales, a robust guidance for the next quarter. The company's seeing broad-based demand for the solutions, which is exactly what we want to hear. No wonder the stock surged 6% on the news. It's now up more than 18% since we last spoke to Zebra in May. Can it keep climbing? Let's check in with Anders Gustafsson. He is the CEO of Zebra Technologies. He had a better sense of how his company's doing where it's headed. Mr. Gustafsson, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Anders. Have Thank a seat. you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, since we've seen you last, you've done a lot of things, including an amazing quarter, but you also made an acquisition of Explore Technologies. I want you to speak to people about what that means, and also culturally, because you guys have been exceptional, culturally, how you integrate an acquisition, because you've done it better than anyone, as we know from a recent article in Chicago Tribune that was quite complimentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Explore. So we're very excited about Explore acquisition. It's, it's a, we think of it as a near adjacency to our core business. Okay. It is a, an area where we had some presence, but not as big presence as we felt we should have. Uh, so you think of ta- Explore first, they make a tablet, ruggedized tablets. Right. And you know, we are very strong in, in mobile, com- uh, mobile computers, so handheld mobile computers. We're the market leader with almost 50% market share. So it's, it's, you can think of tablets here as a, a different form factor of a mobile computer. And the, we tend to see people who are on the front line, they have mobile computers, right. they're supervisors, they have the tablets, but we, we can have the same architecture behind it. So you can say run the same apps and very cost effectively kind of to provide different different form factors for the same, for different oh, people. Oh, so that's easy to integrate, uh, obviously, in terms of hardware, but uh, intellectually, culturally, good fit? Yeah, we think it's a good fit. Uh, you know, we, we culturally say that we, we, we do pay a lot of attention to culture when we right. do acquisitions and you know, otherwise, too. So when we um, did the enterprise acquisition four, four years ago now, right. you know, four years and a little bit, we you know, probably the most important decision we made almost was the effort we put into creating the common culture. Okay. You know, I said so from a Zebra perspective, we were a smaller company. We didn't necessarily have the right culture to, for a much larger organization. Mm-hmm. So we felt we needed to create an, a new one. So we, we spent uh, uh, a lot of time coming up with our kind of new values, behaviors. So we put 7,000 people through training, two-day training, and we now put the Explore team through the same training. Now, you had great growth globally, yep. including China. Just a strong secular demand for your products in terms of saving money, uh, being efficient for all companies? Yeah, I think we've seen both good, uh, say, cyclical backdrop. Right. The you know, overall macroeconomic backdrop has been good. Uh, and and uh, secularly, you know, very strong. We had good secular drivers in basically all our, our vertical markets. Now, uh, we've talked about uh, integration on uh, for e-commerce. I thought that what was exceptional this time, we're going to talk about healthcare. You yeah. save the system a fortune. It used to be just the bar code on your arm. Yeah. It's There's much more to it now. Yeah, we, we track uh, almost anything you can say in, 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 in healthcare, but you know, wristbands on patients, uh, blood vials, blood bags, you know, any, any kind of samples. But we also have provide, uh, say, mobile computers to, to nurses. If you go back a few years, they tended to have a cart on wheels, that they mm-hmm. called it. You know, they had a battery and a PC and scanners and everything. All of that is pretty much now in a mobile computer. And we put all, a lot of the voice communication, so we can have the PBX extension. We can have a kind of walkie-talkie, push-to-talk functionality to en- enable them to talk to uh, you know, their, their colleagues. I mean, I felt that when I read about what you've done and the, the incredible uh, yeah. decline in, in operations on the wrong arm, on the wrong leg, that the insurance companies would demand Zebra. Yeah. <laughs> not yet, huh? Not still- yet. Not quite. <laughs> okay. Um, let's, let's, talk, let's go back to e-commerce. Uh, it is booming. 
uh, retail is booming. You guys figure in, in, in all aspects of it? Yeah, pretty much all aspects. So e-commerce, you know, they used a lot of our, our equipment to just be, you know, have a very fu efficient fulfillment mm -hmm. process. But uh, you know, regular brick and mortar retailers have become very big uh, users of our type of solutions in, in, when they try to implement, say, an omni-channel strategy. Okay. Now, one thing that I was surprised about, and it was brought up in the call and I didn't know, you import a lot of stuff from China. And you said you had a working team that is ready so if they go up to 25% in January, will you try to find other places to source? Is it that kind of thing? Yeah, so we have a team, a you know, cross-functional team that's looking at kind of all ways that we can mitigate. Uh, right. Yeah, Today, you know, the, the, uh, the what's been announced, so the first three right. lists, uh, it impacts only a very limited number of our products. Uh, so some of our scanners, uh, right. some of our accessories, uh, and we're looking at things like all the way from moving supply chains out of China to uh, you know, sourcing components wow. elsewhere. Really? Um, we're looking at, uh, you know, also, you know, how, you know, uh, including pricing, you know, that's also on the table. Wow. All right, one last thing, because, you know, I'm a football fan. We saw each other at the Super Bowl. Anything new just in terms of uh, trying to keep track of the fluids of an athlete, trying to keep athletes cost a fortune? Yeah. And you're the only company that seems to be dedicated to the idea that these are, you know, I look, they're humans, yeah. but they cost a fortune. You monitor everything. What are some of the new things you're monitoring? So we can, you know, we can monitor uh, you know, all their movements on the field, uh, how far, far fast they run, how far they run, you know, first quarter versus last quarter, uh, the ball, uh, the ball flight, uh, all the, all the, uh, all the referees and everything. And we, you know, we do have a, a free payload in the signal that we send back to include things like, uh, you know, biometric type of, of signals also. Does it go into the cloud or is it just straight directly? It, it goes into a server first in the uh, stadium, and then right. it goes into a cloud from there. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, look, your company's <laughs> just doing incredibly yeah. well. I'm glad you have that mitigation thing going. Because yeah. I was worried that could hurt the quarter. Sounds yeah. like it's not going to. Thank you to Anders Gustafsson. He's the CEO of Zebra Technologies, a company that we have liked forever. And you see why? It is doing so well. And it's well run. Mad Money's back after the break. It is time! It's time for the lightning round! Lightning round's over. Are you ready? Stay down! Time for the lightning round! I'm going to start with Bob in Florida. Bob! Kramer, booyah! Booyah, Bob! Hey, I've been uh, studying that uh, the demand for lithium is expected to quadruple by 2025, and the world's largest. Uh, and richest lithium flats are in Santiago, Chile. So I did some homework on the top three lithium producers, yeah. and I'd like to ask you about number two. Uh, ticker symbols FQM, Sociedad Quimica. Sociedad Quimica. Okay, we're going to stay away from that. We, uh, we just feel like that it's been, what you just described is a known story. Known stories mean no edge. No edge means we're not going to make any money with it. Let's go to Andy in New Jersey. Andy. Hey, Jim, how are you? Long time. I am good, uh, man. How about you, partner? I um, want to know about Teva Pharmaceuticals. Which one? Teva Pharmaceuticals. Oh, Teva, no, well, in, that, in that genre, we like Mylan more. Heather Bresch doing a good job in the turn. Let's go to Hunt in Texas. Hunt. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. From Sabine, Texas. Sabine, man, I've been there. I like it. What's up? Well, I was wondering, I own uh, Praxair. Apparently, they're going to merge with uh, the Lin Group. Right. What are your thoughts on oh, that? Oh, man, it's going to be a powerhouse. I happen to love industrial gases, 
and I happen to like Lynn very much. I would take advantage of this decline. Not all at once. Please do some buying. Let's go to Howard in Colorado. Howard. Jim, big booyah to you. Good deal. What's up? A Dropbox. All right, this time we, we, saw, we talked to Drew House when we were out at Dreamforce. He told a great story, and then we got this incredible tech sell-off. Then he reported, and the numbers were great. <laughs> we're not done. We're going to go to Gary in Alabama, Sweet Home Alabama. Gary. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, I know the market is a little shaky right here, oh, but oh, uh, yeah. what do you think of Salesforce? Buy, sell, or hold? Salesforce, key position, fractionalersplus.com. I got a big conference call. Tomorrow at 11.30, we're going to talk about why Salesforce fits the mode of what you want to own. Let's go to Tony in Tennessee. Tony. Dr. Kramer, booyah, from Knoxville. Nice. Uh, quick question for you. I bought into the uh, Netflix of China, the IQ Kool-Aid. I bought I into enough, enough problems with Netflix of America. I don't need the Netflix of China. We're going to say... Don't buy, don't buy, don't buy, And don't that, buy. ladies and inclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. In an uncertain environment where everybody's worried about the tariffs and the Fed and what they might do to the economy, you know what we got to do? We got to circle the wagons around some high quality stocks that can keep working, even if the bears turn out to be right. And we ended up having a slowdown. That doesn't mean we should just buy all those recession-resistant stocks without regard for how they're actually doing, as I see so many people doing. No, we want the best of the best. We want the best of the slowdown plays, the stocks of companies that we know are doing very well. I do with some kind of self-help story that can give you some extra upside, especially situations. That's why right now I'm a big fan of Bausch Health companies. BHC for you home gamers. The pharmaceutical artist formerly known as Valiant. Bausch may be the greatest turnaround story of this particular era. The stock has more than tripled from its lows in April 2017, and that's thanks to the leadership of Joe Papa. Joe Papa, who took over as CEO, many dollars, myself included, and made some much-needed changes to get the business back on track and on its feet. The process wasn't easy, but Papa's done a remarkable job, and now the turn, the turn is paying off. Just last week, the company reported really a monster good, terrific quarter, sent its stock soaring. You know what? It's not done. But before we get into that, at first, you need to understand how Joe Papa turned around the whole darn thing. And by the way, many thought it was a sinking ship that could never be righted. For many years, the old value was widely regarded as perhaps the sexiest drug stock around. They had what seemed to be a lucrative business model. Valiant would borrow a lot of money at low interest rates, acquire other drug companies, then slash costs, including R&D costs, while raising prices. They, public enemy number one, by the way. They did this over and over and over again. They were, they were rewarded with ever higher earnings, not to mention an even higher stock price. But in late 2015, drug pricing became a hot-button political issue, which ended up putting Valiant right under a microscope. And it turned out they were doing some shady stuff with a drug distributor called Philidor. At the same time, Valiant had run out of high-quality pharma companies to acquire, so they started buying lower-quality ones. In the end, Valiant did not have a good business model. We like drug companies that actually spend money to, uh, you know, um, develop drugs. The old Valiant didn't care about innovation. They just wanted to buy growth wherever they could. But once the company ran into problems, it created a vicious cycle downward that caused the stock to get obliterated, plunging from the $250 level to the single digits, destroying a lot of hedge funds with it. 
Finally, in the spring of 2016, the board fired the old CEO and brought in Joe Papa from Perigo, Perigo nonetheless, to run the business. And after that latest quarter, it really looks like he has turned things around. I'm a believer. It's pretty impressive, especially considering that just two years ago, many people assumed that Valiant simply wouldn't make it. So how did Papa do it? First, he told us that he was going to start cleaning up the hideous balance sheet. Second, he explained that Valiant really did have an attractive pipeline of new drugs. They just needed to double down on developing the good ones. Third, he had a way to uh, find, uh, he had to motivate the staff. It was an incredibly dispirited workforce. The moment Papa took over, he shook up the management team, bringing in his own people, settling a bunch of lawsuits, more on that later. Then he said about repairing the company's reputation. For example, he started discounting a couple of big drugs in order to placate Congress. With Valiant out of the federal crosshairs, Papa began to address the biggest problem, the balance sheet. At the end of the first quarter of 2016, Valiant had $32 billion in debt. Really scary. By the end of 2016, he paid it down to $30 billion, still very suboptimal. So Papa decided to sell off a bunch of non-core businesses to raise cash. At the beginning of last year, Valiant announced it was selling Dendrion, its immunotherapy business, to a Chinese buyer. Got $820 million while offloading its skincare brands to L'Oreal for $1.3 billion. In a single quarter, Papa used that money to cut the debt load by 5%. Then Valiant unveiled a string of smaller asset sales to raise even more money. Crazily enough, even as the company sold off these divisions, its free cash flow actually improved in 2017. Quizzical, right? By the end of last year, they brought the debt down to $26.35 billion. At the same time, Valiant refinanced a big chunk of remaining debt at lower interest rates. And while they haven't done any more asset sales, the balance sheet cleanup continues, with the debt now standing at $24.73 billion as of the latest quarter. Oh, and management's retiring $1.5 billion and 7.5% senior notes. Put it all together, and the balance sheet's in much better shape, and most importantly, perhaps, no debt coming due anytime soon which really makes this a much more stable situation. Second, Papa vowed to take Valiant back to its roots as a pharmaceutical company. Rather than acquiring new businesses, he decided to focus on the company's existing brands. Existing brands like Bausch & Loam for eye care, along with terrific gastrointestinal and dermatology divisions. Yes, they really were good. In 2016, the company increased its R&D spending by 26%. That was essential. If you're going to run a drug company, you need to invest in discovering new drugs. Otherwise, you do not have a future. Fast forward to this past May, and Valiant generated organic growth for the first time since 2015. We also learned that one of the company's new products, Zyfaxin for irritable bowel syndrome, hit $1 billion in sales just in the first quarter alone. And that's what happens when you invest in R&D and it pays off. Then in July, Valiant changed its name to Bowel Health. Yeah, Bausch Health Companies washed off some of the stink of off Valiant, which was a loathe brand. Bausch and Loam, on the other hand, is highly trusted. Plus, the Bausch Eye Care business now accounts for the bulk of the company's sales, and it was always pristine. It was always the best. Now, in September, Bausch announced a settlement with Activist. That's a generic drug maker over Zyfaxin, that IBS drug I just mentioned. Under the terms of the deal, Activist gets a license to start making the drug, but not until 2028. Uh, until then, they acknowledged the validity of Bausch's patent, and that removed a gigantic overhang because a lot of investors were fretting about the potential generic competition eating into this fabulous drug sales. Stocks soared 14% on the news, climbed to 28 and change in early October. But then the market-wide sell-off hit, and Bausch plunged to 21 and changed the lows. Turns out, what a buying opportunity. Buy, buy, buy! Because the company went on to report a blowout quarter just last week. 
Bows posted a monster 31 cent earnings beat off an 84 cent basis, higher than expected revenues. More important, the company saw organic revenue growth, the key metric that I was looking at across all of its segments eye care, gastrointestinal, dermatology. Oh, and the company recently launched a new drug that helps alleviate the symptoms of opioid withdrawal. This is the first opioid withdrawal treatment that's not itself an opioid. Can you believe that? You better believe there's a huge market in this country for that drug. Meanwhile, Joe Papa paid down another $360 million in debt. And on top of that, they retired $125 million in 7.5% unsecured senior notes a couple of weeks ago. He's just never stopping. He continues to pay down that debt. And when it comes to litigation or government investigations, Bausch keeps coming out on top. Now, at these levels, this stock gained a quick 18% since we last spoke to Pop in September. Boy, do I want him back on. It's up nearly 35% since we heard from him in May. But even up here, you know what? This thing's not done. Bausch is a buy because it's dirt cheap. This thing still sells for just seven times next year's earnings because people don't believe he can keep pulling it off. People keep doubting. People think he can't fix that balance sheet. He's fixing it, people, the bottom line. Joe Papa has orchestrated, orchestrated an amazing comeback at Bausch Health. The results speak for themselves, which is why I believe, in the end, this story has more room to run, and I congratulate Joe for doing a lot of things that even I felt he couldn't do. Bad Money's back into the break. Okay, a lot of people are confusing this with this. I have to tell you, as the stock goes down, it actually gets more valuable, as does Alphabet, as does even Facebook, the hated Facebook, and Amazon. Look, I know they're going lower. I'm just saying, if you give up on it now, I think they, they've come down a lot. Apple's down more than 40 points. Is this the level that you want to capitulate? Fine. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.